Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's four o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. We're living in Montana, and we're driving how far to play playoff high school football? We have numbers. We have picks against the spread as NFL Week 9. Still scheduled to kick off tonight, and we have from the Grizz Greats podcast, former athletic director Wayne Hogan. It is 2 telling you on is 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Outstanding to be with you uh, everywhere in the 406. We're so happy to be here. Thank you for letting us ride along with you. We appreciate that very much. If you would like to be a part of this show, we welcome you. 361-3688. 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. If you would uh, like to text that number, you can do it as well. 361-3688, as uh, mentioned, just uh, you know, send us a little deal. And if you can get through the very, very heavy filter that is Reese in the back, perhaps Coulter or I will read it. Okay, so we wish you the luck. Make them very high-end text because we don't all make it, okay? That's what we know for sure around here. If you'd like to listen live, you go to the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You can check out the stream anytime you would like to. The stream is available at all times. 
and it is available live, so you can check in wherever you are on what's going on here on ESPN Radio. The stream available thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana, your local bank, your opportunity. Today, as we mentioned uh, in the show, we have our newest episode of Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, and this one, a really fun one, maybe one that people you know that know the history might not have anticipated, but we are very happy to have Wayne Hogan, the athletic director of the University of Montana, who became the athletic director in the middle of October 1995, the midpoint of the Grizzlies season that year. Talk about a good time to show up as the AD. I mean, my goodness, six weeks later, you're celebrating the school's first national championship. Really impressive uh, uh, timing there for Wayne Hogan. And I know that Wayne has uh, uh, a lot of friends in this community, in this state, a lot of people that like him. And then he's got some detractors as well. And I'm aware, you know, Coulter and I are aware of all that. But I will say this for sure. To have a conversation with Wayne Hogan is an enjoyable experience. Certainly. No, no question about that. As, as engaging and personable a guy as, as you could have in, in something like that. And I think, too, uh, you know, he's, it's not like he is not well aware of, of all of the things, maybe positive and negative, you know, that surrounded his tenure as the athletic director at the University of Montana. And I think that he enjoyed very much kind of having a conversation about that period of time and obviously with the focus on this uh, Grizzly National Championship team. So we will bring you a portion of that conversation here off the top and get into it. We also going to get into the Montana State and Montana women have released their non-conference basketball schedule. So we're still waiting it on, on it from the men's side. We know the conference schedules came out a while ago. The teams have been scurrying coaches trying, you know, in chaos, trying to find games to replace games that were lost, get them scheduled in there. And so we have uh, some of that information for you, at least on the women's side. So look forward to bringing that to you as well. As high school playoffs enter a number of different rounds, Class A, we're into the semifinals. Class Double A, we're into the quarterfinals. A lot of different games all over the state for high school football, all of it in the playoffs. We're going to highlight what we think might be the best game of the weekend from each class. And then we're going to get into something we like to do around here, and that is the miles, the kilometers, depending on where you're from, and tell you how far we're driving around this state to play football. It is uh, a fun exercise each and every year to take a look at that and do some compare and contrast. Top of the hour, like we do each Thursday, we're going to have ourselves a uh, little bit of NFL football preview, take a look at the lines on some of the games and get into uh, the matchups that are, again, tonight. The Packers and 49ers kick off week nine on Thursday night football. So we get into that game and then some of the other games around the weekend as well. And Clemson has cut men's track and men's cross country. Yikes. We'll talk about that. And really when I say we, I mean Coulter. He is uh he's the the spring is being compressed and he's getting ready to unload. So we'll get into that uh as well. So there you go. That is our show today. Coulter, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great. It's 70 degrees in Missoula. It's supposed to be 19 on Saturday. Might be below zero in Bozeman. What was the tweet? like For everybody moving here in the state of Montana, this was like in July. Yeah. It will be 110 degrees colder than it is today. Six months from now. In four months, it's 110 degrees colder than it is today. That's uh, pretty good and quite accurate. And we've uh, already run the gamut from from warm to frigid to very warm and now evidently cooling off again. Uh, All right. Good. Why is it that we got to talk wet? Not you and I particularly, but as a people group, like if you want to enter into something, you talk the weather to like break the ice. 
I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, not in terms of the actual weather, but in terms of what is socially acceptable and socially prevalent to talk about. And I find one of the most fascinating phenomenon we have ever experienced is it used to be that you would have to present the opportunity to talk about politics in social situations. The people that didn't, the people that just went right into political conversations at cocktail parties, dinner parties, when you're hanging out with your buddy watching football, they would be largely lambasted. The jerks. Don't do that. Yeah. We're not ready for that. If we want to do that, we'll present it. We can have a discussion that's a planned thing where everybody brings their ideas to the table, and now it's the only thing we talk about. You know, it's funny uh, because my mother, God bless her, from Wisconsin, when we go back to the Midwest, they love a good weather conversation. Mm. And let me tell you, they'll open with politics to break mm-hmm. into, what do you mm-hmm. think the barometric pressure is going to do? <laughs> you know, that's the that's where the meat of the bone is right there mm-hmm. in the weather. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's all good. But in terms of Montana, I mean, I think that the volatility of the weather brings a, a communal sense of hilarity to all of us. <laughs> because it is, it is no matter what, even if you've lived here 20 yeah. plus years like we both have, it's hilarious. I mean, it's it's sort of out of control sometimes, but it's one of, in my opinion, the great parts about living in the great state of Montana. No I think it or, originates too, though, in just small town discourse too, because now we're so spoiled. I mean, no matter you how with our house, no matter how things? cold it is, you can just wear your nice jacket and drive in your hot car that you probably have a heated car starter. Yeah, probably have an auto car starter on, and you can put your thermostat at seven degrees. Even 100 years ago when people were still living inside, the weather had such a huge effect on you because of the – everybody lived in an agricultural-based world. Now, we all just go to the grocery store. We take it we take it for granted. But it used to be you ask your neighbor what's going on with the weather because it's like, well, am I, is my crops going to freeze? Are we going to have food for the community? You so, know, uh, I was listening to Lebitard, and they brought out a stat, oh and they said uh, – uh, a sandwich like a normal deli sandwich mm-hmm. if you were responsible for like everything to make that sandwich oh, from stem take to you a week and i'm talking about growing everything and raising oh, yeah. 1500 bucks for a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> like if you had to raise the turkey <laughs> and the, the pig wheat for the you gotta plant the plants gotta you gotta get cow for the cheese yeah gotta get oh, it all boy but you know you would think that if you're growing it all you probably get more than one sandwich out of it you know no, you're right, but you probably, if you, that's what you're growing it for, you probably eat the exact same sandwich every meal for a year. I mean, yeah, right, This because this is what you have to eat. See, now you got me spinning. The, uh, I watched this documentary the other night about how the, the demise of the uh, state of the globe, of, of the biodiversity of planet Earth can most well be defined by the presence of avocados 365 days a year in America. Mm. It's fascinating. Go you check know, it out. That is uh that is a, a pretty interesting phenomenon. I mean, sometimes when we wonder why the world is broken, I think we need to realize like you're not supposed to be able to go to the store and buy everything that's ever been grown <laughs> three hundred and sixty-five days a year. It's just not supposed to happen. It's great that it can. This peach is too hard. What's not, the matter? You're not supposed to eat avocado toast every day. Yeah. You're just not. It's just not supposed to be possible. And we've made it possible. And it it on one hand is just a miracle of, of human ingenuity. And on the other hand, it's like, man, you wonder why we're just melting into nothing. Well, you and I are having a conversation and people are listening. Do you know there's people out there? Li- Don't tell me that. It makes me nervous. I know. I know. Now I got butterflies. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, Coulter, we've been doing 
This Grizz Greats podcast series has been a ton of fun uh, to do, and uh, we continue today with Wayne Hogan. Uh, it is uh, a pretty interesting phenomenon for Wayne uh, in terms of his arrival, as we alluded to at the top uh, at the University of Montana in relation to this national championship. He gets hired. Uh, he's from Florida. You know, in Montana, a lot of places, but maybe particularly Montana, you, you know, when you hire a guy from Florida who's literally never even been to the state of Montana, very much an outsider in that respect. And I think uh, a lot of people kind of looked at uh, President George Dennison going, well, really, this is the guy that you want? And I think that, uh, especially early on when, when Hogan had a lot of work to do to win some people over and did that work to win some people over. And I know that, uh, that, that his tenure as the athletic director had its ups and downs. I know that it didn't end that well. And I know that there's... People, uh, you know, in in and around the university who, you know, think that maybe that was that did, that wasn't the right hire to make. That said, um, while he was, I mean, he's the AD for for almost a decade, like nine years, if you think about it, from '95 through 2004, eight almost nine years in total. Uh, the success uh, of of the football team in particular, unrivaled, and that is not. Uh, he is certainly not 100% responsible for that, but he does know what it is to be a winner coming from Florida State, and yep. he knew how to perpetuate that and kind of carry that through, which he talked about uh, to a large extent about the the culture and the climate and the and and the uh, feel of you know the university and the town and how to try and tap into that and continue that forward. And I think that he deserves some credit for that certainly. And again, as I said. The conversation. I mean, you could sit down and talk to Wayne Hogan for you know seven days straight and never never cross the same topic twice and enjoy every second of it. I mean, look at Florida State in the early 1990s, and they were pretty much peerless. They lost four games in five years and won a national championship, shared another one, finished as the runner-up. This is back when you used to vote for it, but they went undefeated in '92 and mm-hmm. finished number two. But they probably won some sort of voting national championship. Anyway, I mean, it was the glory days of Florida State, no question. The height of Bobby Bowden, you had Deion Sanders, you had all the Charlie Ward, all these great players. Um, in terms of Wayne Hogan's t- time at Montana, I think that the, the things that the common fan around Missoula and around Montana remember were the changing of the colors, which was very controversial at the time. I think a lot of people thought that was a money grab and uh, didn't like it, but I think that it's, you know, it's just something that it's just people are averse to change sometimes, and in reality, they actually went back to their real school colors, not their spirit colors, and that was one of the impetus of the decision. But I think that you know the, the firing of Don Holst was pretty controversial because Don Holst had you know he's a Missoula guy, he's from around here, he had been at you know in Western Montana coaching basketball and had been at the University of Montana for a long time, and he led the team to the NCAA tournament. And Pat Kennedy was definitely an outside the box hire that didn't end up working out. Yeah. And a lot of people said, well, this is what happens when you hire an outsider like Wayne Hogan. He's going to hire another outsider, the only guy outside of the Judd Heathcote coaching tree. This is what happens. But the other thing you got to remember is on the other side of this, though, Dwayne Hogan deserves so much credit because I think that folks forget, one, the Big Sky Conference was in an utter state of flux in 1995. Nevada, Idaho, and Boise State had either left the league or were on their way out. The Big Sky Conference did not know who was going to be the flag bearer, the flagship school of the league. Montana assumed that position, and part of that was because of Wayne Hogan. Wayne Hogan also went outside the box. You used to not have, you didn't have to schedule a powerhouse non-conference basketball schedule because you knew you had Nevada on the schedule, Idaho on the schedule, Boise State on the schedule. When those teams left, if you want to get butts in the seats, 
at that time, Sac State had been in the league for a year. Portland State had been in the league for a year. No one in Missoula knows about those teams hardly at all. Mm-hmm. So you need to start going and getting the, to play at Gonzaga, to play at Washington State. Wayne Hogan was fearless in scheduling those sorts of games. And I know everybody falls back on the budget deficit that he left Montana with when he resigned. But on the flip side of that, he raised a hell of a lot of money around here. And when you listen to him talk, you understand why. No doubt. Everybody that's worked for Wayne Hogan, they said it was an exceptionally fun experience. Jim O'Day was in here last week, former Montana AD, and he said working for Wayne was was awesome. I think Wayne, even though he's not from Montana, really related really well to Montana people. And when you just listen to him talk, you can see why. And so regardless of what his reputation was at the University of Montana, his memories of that 1995 season and then what it meant for then his next nine years as the AD, I thought that they were very important as part of this series, and they are very fun to listen to as well. Grizz Greats is brought to us by our friends at First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. 1993, when the Grizz football team was trying to host its first ever home playoff game, former First Security Bank President Bill Boucher spearheaded a group of local business owners who guaranteed the bid for UM Athletics. That commitment from First Security Bank to UM Athletics has never wavered. Two years later, in 1995, the University of Montana turned that local optimism into national prominence when the Grizz won three straight home playoff games and went all the way to the Division I AA National Championship, the first in school history. And 25 years later, First Security Bank, proud to sponsor Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series remembering that epic season. First Security Bank, a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. Here you go. A little portion from the forthcoming episode with Wayne Hogan. Grizz Greats, enjoy. You come to the University of Montana. It's got this great stadium at the FCS level. It's generating a lot of excitement. This team has been, you know, getting better and better and going further and further. But they have not won a national championship. Uh, they haven't, you know, gotten to to that spot. And so, as you arrive and start seeing week after week and game after game towards the end of that season. Did you was your was your thought was well man I don't know I this this could be the team was it hey this will be an interesting thing to see was it just observational because you're just trying to figure it out on the fly like what was that like as you go through the end of the regular season and then I mean just wipe everybody off the off the face of the field through those first three weeks of the playoffs at Washington Grizzly Stadium well it, it, it obviously a different level from what I had witnessed at Florida State. But football is football, and um, the offense that we ran at at Montana with Dickinson and all those great receivers, uh, my gosh, the Jimmy Ferris's and the Earhart's and uh, all of these all of these guys are uh, Matt Wells and my goodness, they're running all over the place. And I'm looking at this Don Reed, you know, offense, and I'm going, wow, this I don't care what level you're playing on. This is this is amazing. This is a this was devastating to opponents, and certainly, you know, as the season went on, you know, I'm thinking, what, what a great team! I mean, this is what, how lucky am I? Again, you know, I'm kind of pinching myself every day, and I'm going, man, these guys can really play. And I think when we went over to, uh, I made, I made, made my first trip over to Cheney uh, later in that season, and that was the day that we just killed them, sixty-three to seven, I believe. Um, and and just circus catch after circus catch and just speed and 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 I knew at that point that we had a we had something pretty pretty special going on. But the one thing I didn't know I had never you know had an experience with playoffs before. You know all of my life was 
spin around going to bowl games. Sure. You know, you get you play one game and you're done. But uh, you know, so so uh, that was that was uh, the, the one thing that lay out in front that I I really wasn't sure of how that was going to run. So I, I got a chance to experience my first playoff opportunities. So you'd gone from watching Charlie Ward <laughs> to then watching Dave Dickinson. What was your first impression of what, seeing Montana's quarterback? You know, he I just knew that he was uh, he was just hugely special. Um, you know, everybody obviously knew that. I mean, he was the talk of the town. He was the he could have been mayor. He could have been the athletic director. I, I thought maybe some days they wanted to just move me out and move him into the AD. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think they they could have and they they probably should have at that time. But no, you know, he, he what what a treat to watch. And uh, so, so you know, I, I feel the need to, to now tell you my favorite, favorite Don Reed story. And this, again, you know, kind of points up to a little bit how, how out in front of myself I was. You know, it was my first AD job, and I'm so excited about it. And we get to the first round of the playoffs, and uh, we're playing Eastern Kentucky. And, and uh, th- the first round is always played on Thanksgiving week. Right. So uh, I remember that uh, uh, what happened was they they had to practice on Thanksgiving. So and and we did that every year I was there. Every year we we were in the playoffs every year, and every year, you know, there was no taking Thursday Thanksgiving Thursday off. You practiced in the morning, and then he gave the kids a chance to go, you know, go off and have their Thanksgiving meal and all that. So I remember I went out to practice the morning that Thanksgiving morning. Again, remembering I've only been there six weeks and or so. And so I'm standing on the side of the field watching practice. And uh, Don Reed calls the team together. It's the end of practice. He calls the team up and he goes, hey, I see where I see where our new athletic director's here. Goes, uh, Mr. Hogan, would you like to say a few words to the fellas? <laughs> and so... And, and so I walk up in the middle of the team and I go, fellas, I got to tell you, I said, I have just enjoyed the last six weeks with you guys watching, watching you guys play. I said, I, I'm still trying to keep up with all of you and get, you learn your names and learn your numbers and, and all that. But, but I'm, I'm getting there slowly, but surely. But I said, I'll tell you one thing. I want to tell you guys something. I said, 12 months ago, I was in another program and I said, we had, uh, a team much like this team that had a lot of components. We had a great quarterback. We had a, you know, amazing receivers. And I said, we, we won a national championship. And I said, I look at you and I look at all the components you have out here. I am convinced that you're going to win the national championship. And I thought Don Reed was going to strangle me. <laughs> I just, I just blew his entire one game at a time theory. <laughs> With this, with the, I, I declared them national champions on Thanksgiving morning with three playoff games to go just to even get to a national championship game. So uh, after Amazing. that, I don't think Don, Don Reed never called on me to address the team again after that. <laughs> when I want to ask you about the, the process of hosting games back then mm. because – I think it's very interesting. We were talking to Bill Boucher, a former president at First Security Bank, and he was telling us the story of how in 1993, a couple of years before you'd been there, that Montana had only ever hosted a playoff game a couple of times in 1989. That was it. So they were not used to what that 
entailed in terms of the bidding and all those sorts of things. And then the local business owners, they get together and they basically say, hey, we'll back whatever the guarantee needs to be. If you can get the game here, we know we'll sell it out. And then they end up selling it out. And of course, 1993, 1994, great playoff games with great crowds in Missoula. But 1995, you come in, I think some people forget, Montana had been rolling, but they were not one of the top couple seeds. I think that the Grizz came in as the five seed. A six seed. Maybe, maybe the six yeah. seed in that playoff. So you're going to need a couple different upsets to occur. But take us through just what it was like earning that first round bid and then how it all played out each week because you see other teams like um, you know, Youngstown State, other teams like that get upset. So w- what was the just the logistical process like getting three straight games at Washington Grizz? Well, there was, you know, there was a bid process and you had to put, you know, put yourself out there on a limb a little bit. And uh, again, I go back to the leadership of, of George Dennison and, 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 uh, and, and Bill Boucher was right. Uh, without the Bill Boucher's of the world and, uh, and uh, junior trips and man, I could name, I could name a million of, of those guys that stepped up that are just, you know, just died in the wool. Grizz lovers and and you know they they wrote checks. I mean they went and got in their wallets and they wrote checks and by damn we were gonna we were gonna do it and we were gonna do it at home and they, they it, without them it would not have happened and and without you know the support of, of George uh, telling me and telling all of us in athletics that look we're gonna do everything we can do to to get these games here and and to try to you know do, nobody wanted to win a championship more than George Dennison nobody. Um, and he's a competitive man and, you know, and, and I, I felt that and, and I think that's a good way to have, you know, when your boss is that way, that's, that's, that's a good thing. And, uh, and, and so did, so did those townspeople, you know, the, the Gordy fix and gosh, uh, God, there's a million of them, Jim Palmer. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm leaving people out, but it's, it's been a while, but, um, gosh, I just remember, you know, just the, the community coming together. And then, of course, that's the financial part. But, but what's what's even harder to explain is the, the the strain and the stress that it puts on an athletic staff. Your ticket office, you know, having to get those tickets sold and distributed, and get people in their places and collect the money, and you only have a short window. There's a short window of opportunity, and and you know it it you know people work around the clock. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I had people in that athletic department that were literally round the clock uh, for for five six days. They were exhausted. By the time we got to the weekend, where the <laughs> when the games were played, they, they could barely barely operate because they had uh, they'd worked so hard during the week. So it, it's a, it take, take takes a team effort all, all the way around. And uh, I it was fun for me because I learned what it was all about. You know, I was you know you you think about things like the um, like Steve Hackney and, and his staff, you know, and, and all the things that they had to do. Um, and, 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 you know, the medical team uh, with Dennis and his group. And, man, it, it, it was all hands on deck. We got to be a pretty tight-knit family during those playoffs. I'll guarantee you that because we, we were pretty much together 24-7. 
Well, one way or another, uh, the thing gets done, and uh, and the Grizzlies win three straight with ease, ultimately, on the field. And you, then you head off to Huntington, West Virginia. You're playing Marshall, ironically enough, in a non-neutral site game, though it was supposed to be a neutral site game. But also, you know, by all accounts, really the best team, maybe even better than the Washington State team that Montana had played very early in that 95 season, the best team that they'd seen all year long. And when you go out to this game, when you go out to Huntington and you see the atmosphere and 32,000 people and all that, it's not like what it is at Florida State, I understand. But what was your experience like of, of, of a national championship culminating a national tournament with, your, you know, the team that you're now, the school that you're now the athletic director for being in this thing? Well, I, I, I have to take you to the, to the arrival that uh, we made uh, when, again, uh, the NCAA pays for a charter flight, and so we had the team and a, a number of other uh, folks. You know, a couple hundred uh, gri- Grizzlies uh, of various types were on the on the flight, and uh, administrators and and others. And so we got to Huntington, and uh, I went went out to the stadium and and did a. You know, I know the team did a walkthrough, and yeah, it was pretty pretty impressive. I I, I admit it was impressive, and. Then we uh, we settled into our headquarters, uh, which was which was a Holiday Inn, in uh, in Huntington, West Virginia, um, and uh, you know we kind of kind of got in there. There it, what there wasn't much to it. It was a typical Holiday Inn, uh, but it did have a it did have a rather spacious uh, kind of meeting room set up and all that. So it was good for a team to to stay there. So uh, we're all settled in, and and so that that evening, it's Friday night before the Saturday game, and uh, I start seeing Grizz fans start to arrive. Uh, they're coming in the doors of the Holiday Inn, and they keep coming in, and they keep coming in, and they keep coming in, and I'm thinking, you know, we're going to be here, and you know, there if we get a couple hundred people here from Missoula to, for this game, that'll be pretty good. It, it ain't easy to get from. Missoula, Montana to Huntington, West Virginia. I don't care how you how you do it. Right. But they had arranged they had arranged for all of those charter flights. And every time another charter flight hit the ground in Huntington, the the group came directly to the Holiday Inn, the team headquarters. And I swear between six PM and nine PM that Friday night, there must have been 2,000 Grizz fans that arrived in that place. It was absolute pandemonium. I thought it was the neatest thing I'd ever seen. It was so much fun. I, it's the most fun I've ever had, I think, in, in the business. It was That night was almost more fun than the game, believe me, because that was a night where I met a lot of Grizz fans that I got to know the, the rest of my time that I was there, that I've known from you know, the rest of my life here. So, was, it, uh, was it one of those things where all... you could sense that this this was a fan base that had followed a team and rooted for a team that was their guys? I mean, it's so local in Missoula, right? I mean, the, the university uh, and the team represent such a big part of, of what is, by national standards, such a small community, and they're on the precipice of doing this thing for the first time. Was that sort of the energy and emotion that was being carried through that group that night? I've never ever seen anything like it. It's just the emotions were running high, and uh, you can imagine there was more than one or two cocktails consumed. Yes, uh, that, that evening there was singing, <laughs> there was dancing, there was uh, there there was I, I believe there was uh, 
uh, some members of the uh, the band uh, were there who were uh, providing some uh, some entertainment. Um, we we attempted at one time to get up and make uh, some com you know some remarks. I think George George Dennison wanted to to speak to the crowd. He wanted me to speak to the crowd. He you know he wanted Don Reed to speak to the crowd, and uh, somebody produced a uh, somebody produced an in-house PA system microphone. And we climbed up on a staircase so that we were a little bit up above the crowd and tried to make some, you know, make some rah-rah comments. And I remember being so crowded and so loud, I'm pretty sure nobody heard a word that it, that we said. Right. But it didn't matter because they were hollering and screaming and yelling Go Grizz and singing the fight song. And, uh, I mean, what a, what an amazing party. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like it at any level that I've been at. Wayne Hogan, former athletic director at the University of Montana, the newest episode of Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, will be up as soon as we're done here with this show. We will uh, put that up and have it live for you. But, again, a great conversation uh, you can kind of get a feel for right there in, uh, in uh, just the, the 15 minutes or so of that that you just heard. But really enjoyed our conversation with him. We appreciate him joining us. And I think uh, if you give that a listen, I think it'll be, again, a, just a new perspective, especially you get right at the, 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 the national championship is not the culmination. It's the beginning. For Wayne Hogan, you know, and and that is a, a unique perspective, anyways, and and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So please go ahead and check it out. The uh, podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms: Apple, Google, Transistor, Spotify, whatever. However you do podcasting, you can do. It. You can also go to the website grizzgreats.com and listen there uh, anytime you would like to as well. Grizz Greats is brought to us by First Security Bank and also Blackfoot Communications. Back in 1995, there's a good chance when you called your friends, family, colleagues on the other side of town, you were using phone service from Blackfoot Communications. And guess what? 25 years later, Blackfoot continues to keep our homes and our businesses connected with state-of-the-art voice and internet services. Blackfoot takes great pride in celebrating the indelible mark left by Montana's run to its first national championship in 1995. And Blackfoot is excited to sponsor Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions podcast series. Blackfoot, a proud supporter of Grizzly Athletics. We'll take a quick break on the other side. High school football is in playoff mode. We'll tell you what the best matchup this weekend at every classification level is next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, at Gus Tutel, at 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. We uh, are happy to be out there with you in the Twitter world. Uh, we wanted to, Coulter, 
we're at a, we're at a bunch of different places. Some classes are in the semifinals this week. Some classes are in the quarterfinals this week. So there's a lot of uh, a different sort of spots in terms of the postseason where where different uh, classifications are in football playoff progression. But we thought, well, what if we highlighted maybe just the best game or the matchup of the weekend at each classification uh, for uh, you know get people set pumped up for the high school uh, weekend that's coming up. Let's start with the small the small schools, man. Let's go Class C six man where we are in the semifinals. I'll tell you both games: Floyd Lake versus Big Sandy, and then Shields Valley versus White Sulphur Springs. Coulter, what do you think? Give us the, give us the matchup you like out of these two. Well, I think I think it's just both of them because we're into the final four. So yeah. I think that that's both of them are going to be pretty uh, darn good matchups. Uh, Big Sandy had a really impressive performance last week but when, when you look at it I mean you talk about crossover a lot of these teams have not obviously come anywhere close to seeing each other yet this year and so I think the matchups and all that is going to be by and large a, a mystery uh, but I know White Silver Springs has a kid who's a pretty darn good athlete too and if you have the best athlete in the game and there's only six guys on the field mm. that guy has a chance to make a pretty huge difference yes so, he does it'll be interesting to see how all of these play out but uh it's always fun for these little towns because this is probably the, the best thing going. It's what everybody in town's gonna be talking about. That's right. Uh, at the eight man level, the Flint Creek Co op, Drummond and Phillipsburg, which has been a power at the Class C eight man level. Uh, by the way, the, the eight man playoffs, they're in the quarterfinals, so there's four matchups this weekend. We'll highlight the Flint Creek game, uh, which is in Phillipsburg this weekend. Versus Fairview, taking on Fairview. At Fairview, this is going to be one of the longest road trips of the year. We'll get into that in the next segment as far as just how far it is. But uh, Drummond, Phillipsburg, Flint Creek, they're the number one seed in this thing. They've been rolling. They've been doing it with Cade Cutler playing kind of 50-50. He's headed to Montana State. He hasn't played a lot down the stretch here, but he is back. And that that's a huge advantage for them. Flint Creek laid it on belt last week, 60-14. to But Fairview blew out Ennis, 44-6. to so these two teams uh, definitely marching on a collision course. And then the next week will be interesting, too, because I think Fort Benton has a pretty good shot of taking care of Joliet. Fort Benton has been – Fort Benton moving down to Class C. Fort Benton and Thompson Falls both moving down from Class B to Class C. They become powers instantly because they have established good football programs anyways. And so then just the reduction in numbers, it's made them competitive. But – on the horizon, a potential Flint Creek versus Fort Benton. It's actually too bad those two teams aren't on opposite sides of the bracket because I think that what we've seen so far this year, they're probably the two best teams overall, but that could be a good one next week. But I do think that Flint Creek, I mean, Fairview, they've been doing it forever, and they have great tradition. They've produced great players and I think Greg Hardy, former Grizz tight end, is helping out out there too, coaching. He's from Fairview, and and I know that he moved back there to to uh, work at the high school. So um, th- that's going to be a good one in Phillipsburg. Uh, and you're going to see at least one, maybe a couple D1 players. Uh, Class B, how about Florence that has moved now uh, all the way through? They got their first-round playoff game one. They go into a matchup against Townsend, and Florence is a team that – uh, when you haven't been a power traditionally at your level, you you still there's still like a level of of prove it. Even though this team has proven it all season long, how good they are. They're led by Pat Duchesne Jr., who is the quarterback and the son of the head coach Pat Duchesne. So uh, you you know that you got you know a, a coach's kid playing at that position, and and usually that goes pretty well. And clearly that has been the case for Florence. They play Townsend. This game is in the Bitterroot at Florence, but Townsend they got some good players as well. Kid. Been offered by Montana State. 
Yeah, they, they have a co- couple guys that are, are pretty darn good. They have a good program there, too. Uh, but their junior wide out in safety, Gavin Vandenacre, He's 6'3", 185 pounds. He scored 17 touchdowns this year. Their quarterback, the Hovland kid, he's a two-year starter. He had five touchdowns last week total. We mentioned him on our Treasure State Stars last week. So Townsend, I mean, they've recently won a state championship, whereas this is sort of uncharted territory for Florence. They won a playoff game and got to this point a couple years ago, I believe in Pat Duchesne's second year at the helm. But with this group of guys that are mostly sophomores and juniors, this is this is a huge moment for Florence Carlton as they continue to build that program because they do have a few seniors, but most of the primary playmakers on this team are sophomores and juniors. So a deep playoff run could be really good for now and the future. But, I mean, I've, I've talked Florence all fall because I watched them live and in person, and I was so impressed with how sophisticated their offense is. That said, though, last week, although they had a pretty uh, easy win, um, they – hadn't played in several weeks because their game against Red Lodge, it was supposed to be a Bobcat Stadium, got called off. Their rivalry game against Loyola got called off, and they looked incredibly rusty. All of the Twitter chatter was just about all the flags. I think they committed 10 penalties. I think they had a touchdown called back because of a holding penalty. And so they're going to have to get that cleaned up. But the first time they played in consecutive weeks in almost a month, does that affect the timing of their offense? We'll see. But it seems as if it does. It is beneficial to them because they have had some time off, and so it's good now playing for consecutive weeks. I think that'll be a really good game at the Class B level. Class A uh, is into the semis, so we can just mention both games here. Laurel is at Hamilton. Hamilton, the only team out of the West that made mm-hmm. it into the mm-hmm. uh, Final Four, but they are the number one seed in the state, and they are undefeated, but they're hosting Laurel uh, with a pair of probably Division One uh, uh, quarterbacks in that game. You can highlight in a moment. And then Miles City, uh, is playing in Billings at Billings Central in the uh, in the other game, obviously, out east. These are the four best teams mm-hmm. in Class A. With all due respect to Frenchtown and Dillon and some of the other teams that made the playoffs this year, these are the four best teams. And, and Eureka, even. And I really don't really know. I mean, this is coin flips for these games. It's going to be great. You got contrasting styles. Laurel has a lot of depth. The... The boon in population in Laurel is something that hasn't been talked about a lot, and I think that it's it makes them into a legitimate power. I mean, with the way Billings is growing, the way it's spreading, and then the way that the industry exists in Laurel, that school has a ton of money. I mean, that football field is one of the nicest football fields in the state. I mean, mm-hmm. it's on par with some of the frontier venues. They have the nice turf. I was blown away. I covered a Shrine game there, oh, I don't know, a handful of years ago. Such a nice facility, and Things like that are what get kids to come out, especially when you're coming from you know working class type families. So Laurel has tremendous numbers. I mean, they're dressing as many guys as a lot of double A schools right now. I think they got 89 guys on their varsity roster. So that gives them a ton of options, a ton of depth. Eli Abbey's been really good this year. We've talked about him on the show multiple times. He's headed to Montana State as an athlete, but he's the quarterback for Laurel. He threw four touchdowns last week. Tyson Rostad, he's got an offer for both the Cats and the Grizz already as a junior. I don't know what position he'll play in college. It, it, he's getting recruited more as an athlete than his older brother Carson was. His older brother Carson's a quarterback, at least for now, and I, I think for the foreseeable future. But Tyson Rostad's a great athlete, too. Uh, can play on both sides of the ball, and they're both great leaders, too. So this will be interesting because Hamilton has won with defense and they've won by playing physical more than they have in previous years. It used to just be light people up, score a bunch of points, but they can hang in the physical element of the game. 
But that's what Laura wants to do. They want to hit you in the mouth. So how do they react there? And then I just think that it's going to be a throwdown between Miles City and Billing Central. I think those are the two most physical teams in Class A. Miles City's gunning for their second straight state title. They still got their best player back, Carson Hunter. He does it all. He's a two-way player. He's the quarterback. He's probably their best player defensively. But the Billing Central team has seemed to be on a mission. They have taken care of a lot of their revenge tour this year. They whipped Laurel earlier this year, which is one of the most surprising results we've seen in Class A. So we'll see where we're at with Central as well. But I think that both those games have a chance to be good. I mean, if you ask me to pick them, I really don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know who's the favorite in either of those games. I think that both of them are going to be really, really close, tight battles. Uh, in Class AA, we are into the quarterfinals, and the two best teams, who are the two undefeated teams, are Sentinel and Billings West, and they are pretty heavily favored in their two matchups in the quarterfinal. But the other two games uh, could both be really interesting, so we highlight them both. Bozeman is at Helena, taking on the Bengals, Helena High, and then Glacier is at Senior. Obviously, for Bozeman, this is a team that lost a couple games early on, but also didn't have their best player, who's, who's I mean, Right there, I mean, he's a, he's a blue-chip prospect in the state of Montana. Kenneth Iden going to uh, Montana State, and uh, he is back, and he's been rolling since his return, and consequently so has Bozeman. But Helena has also been outstanding all year long, uh, and so this is uh, going to be a great matchup. And then the Wolfpack, Kalispell Glacier, dominant win last week. They go to play senior. There still remains an element of mystery because we haven't had the crossover games, right? Senior That's posted right. the most eye-opening win early by beating Bozeman. But then Senior didn't look that even competitive against Billings West. Billings West had their way with Senior. Kalispell Glacier, in the in the meantime, had their loss to Missoula Sentinel, which was completely lopsided, and they come back the next week and route Missoula Big Sky. We know what these teams like to do, but how do those styles match up against each other? Mm-hmm. Billings Senior is trying to put the ball in Junior Bergen's hands. They, he's a, he's going to play wide receiver or defensive back at the college level, but... They're playing him at quarterback, and he's running all over the place on people. Can Glacier slow that down? On the other side, though, everybody out east, at least this year, the the contenders at least, are running you know pro-style or more like spread-style offenses. Mm-hmm. So Senior hasn't really seen the ground and pound that Glacier is going to employ with Jake Randina. So how does that match up? transpire we'll see but then on the other one it, to me it's just about the health of the stars Kenneth Iden's back full force he's getting two-way snaps now he was just playing defense earlier as he recovered from that ankle injury but he's he's catching the ball out of the backfield now catching the ball across the middle as a tight end and he's still absolutely no question the best pass rusher in the in the entire state is Caden Hewitt healthy I don't think Helena High can make a run if Caden Hewitt's not healthy. I do think Helena High could make a run if he is. I think Caden Hewitt is among the most talented quarterbacks in the state of Montana. And so that, that'll be a, a, a good matchup as well. Take a quick break. On the other side, we get into some geography, which I love. Thompson Falls is playing SCOBY this weekend. If they weren't playing SCOBY, we'll give you a list of places they could go that would be closer next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or 
or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings. You just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced. The Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet. The Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Montana's a big state, the fourth largest by land area in the country, if you were uh, tracking at home. And they play football over, all over this doggone place. And it is fun to think about. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, at Gus Tutel, at 1029 ESPN, Skyline Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, Coulter, here we go. Scoby and Thompson Falls are playing football against one another. Yeah, buddy. Now, uh, this is remarkable. If you weren't going to play football between these two schools and you were in Thompson Falls and you're not going to go to Scoby this weekend, you know where you could go instead and have a shorter <laughs> drive? First of all, we got to give credit to my my guy, Tom Wiley. He's uh, up in Great Falls, worked with Tom over the years. He used to live in Bozeman. He's from Bozeman, uh, MontanaSports.com. He's the one that, that pointed out some of these uh, anomalies, but this is pretty funny. The Pacific Ocean. Closer to Thompson Falls than Scooby. Okay. <laughs> you could drive into the ocean. Vancouver, B.C., Edmonton, Alberta, Boise, Idaho. How about this? I mean, this is remarkable. You could go to Jackpot, Nevada <laughs> before you would go to Scobie from Thompson Falls. You Buffalo, could, Wyoming. You could drive to Saskatchewan. Uh, 616 miles. One way. That is your Thompson Falls to Scobie trip for Saturday football. This is really actually quite a phenomenon, too, because usually the Class C 8 and 6-band teams have – some of the most arduous travel because they're obviously in some of the most isolated places in Montana. Uh, there's very few Class C eight-man teams that are just like Drummond or just right off the highway. A lot of times you got to, or right off the interstate, I should say. A lot of times you got to go on various highways to get where you're going. Yeah, and a lot of times, like up on the High Line. Even though you have a smattering of communities, they're all different classes. Like Haver is class A, and Shelby, I guess Shelby's class C now, but Conrad's class B, and then Chester has to, you know, have a co-op and all these different places. But this is the anomaly here. Thompson Falls, since moving down to class C, eight man now, that gives them actually the most within proximity to them little rivalries that you can have. So their four road trips so far this year were against Mission, St. Ignatius, yep. which is you know probably an hour. Sure. Alberton Superior, which is right there, yep. high half an hour. R. Lee, which is 45 minutes probably, and Troy, which is probably an hour and 15. And that amounted to a little less than 300 miles 
total that they've driven so far. So they're doubling up their season total and then some in one road trip. In one leg of one road trip. The most amazing part about this, though, is, is this is not the farthest road trip. We saw Sydney versus Hamilton, which I believe was 6'10". Mm-hmm. This one, Thompson Falls to Scobie, is 6'16". But the longest possible trip remaining is if Thompson Falls were to win and Fairview were to upset Flint Creek, you could have Fairview versus Thompson Falls, which I actually might, I actually think might be the longest road trip that could be made in all of high school football in the whole world. Like, what, at which classification has the furthest two points between the two furthest schools? It, it's definitely the furthest two right. points between two schools in the same classification like in Montana. Baker and Baker and Thompson Falls once upon a time was uh, was definitely that they played in the in the playoffs. I remember yeah. about fifteen years ago, but. Fairview to Towson Falls is 655 miles. I'm wondering if they're, you know, for the state championship game, I think you just got to go. But I'm wondering if, you know, in a quarter final round, can't we just like meet in the middle? See it, you know, see in Billings? Well, there's a lot of talk about, for a variety of reasons, for budgeting reasons, for uh, spectator reasons in any other year besides this year. Mm-hmm. Going to a Washington State format, you've covered high school sports in Washington. Like the semifinals and finals of the playoffs are at the Tacoma Dome. That's right. Everybody's there. It's sweet. So then, like, if you're a fan, you can just go watch. You can just get all sessions pass and go watch all the games. And yeah. it's and then all of a sudden you have all these different fans. The biggest argument for that against that in Montana has always been you're getting quite literally no tourism traffic to Scobie, Montana. Yeah. Very few people are going there as a destination. You either live there, you're going to visit right, family, right. or you're going to watch high school football. So it's an influx. When so, you know, even though it's only Class C 8, man, is you know, say 20 people from Thompson Falls show up in your town. And again, this is talking about years where you're actually allowed to go to games and go to places and all these things. But it is an influx. You know, how many, how many restaurants are in Scobie? Two? I don't know the answer to that. So, I mean, you imagine you're probably, before you get on the road for 616 miles back, you might eat up there. Yeah. That's a good little influx of cash. And yeah. that's always been the argument is that that's what it's all about. Well, and, a, and, a reasonable, and a reasonable influx uh, for sure as well. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Uh, just the other classifications for what it's worth. The longest travel this weekend is obviously Glacier going to Billings. That's, a, long, a, yeah. that's a hike uh, at 452 miles uh, on that drive. For Class A, Laurel driving to Hamilton. Again, significant mm-hmm. 354 miles there. Columbus at Glasgow is and that's gonna take that's going to take you a while because you're very, very little of that is on the interstate. Yeah. Uh, 322 miles uh, on that drive right there. So uh, there, 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 there's still distances, even if it's not 616, which is an, an unbelievable ride. Yeah, and then that Fairview um, Flint Creek game that we highlighted last segment, too, that's about 550, 560. Yeah, Phillipsburg's getting a little a pretty good home field advantage. Yeah, for sure. At. But then this is, a, this is actually really funny. So you got the Class C six-man semifinals, right? Big Sandy to Freud Medicine Lake. Is 320 miles, pretty standard at that level. Yep. Shields Valley, White Silver Springs, hop, skip, and a jump, maybe 43 miles. Could take you half an hour. Yeah, just walk it. I mean, for <laughs> crying out loud. Or ride your horse, whatever. Stu Tillman on his 1029 ESPN radio. I only joke because there's a, so many people in Shields Valley have horses. Of we course. used to work up there, no, man. There, you could totally ride your horse. Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. The NFL weekend begins this evening. We'll take a look at the games and the lines after this. 
It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.